0: hello, hello, all you beautiful people. My name is Amber Enerson. And
1: I'm Kelsey Enerson.
0: And this is our podcast, You Are the Alchemist, where we talk about all things mental health in a fun and relatable way. And this week we're going to be doing an episode on high-functioning depression. Um, I think that this is an important issue because a lot of times high-functioning depression will go unnoticed um, because the individual who has it Often seems like they're fine from the outside, but internally it's a mess. So that's a little bit of what we're going through right now with this episode. And then just a reminder, this is not to diagnose anyone. If you think that you or someone you know might be experiencing this, then it's important to always seek mental health help from a professional. Uh, We have a lot of training and a lot of education from personal and educational experience, but we are not doctors and we cannot tell you what's going on with you. It's just to give you guys a little bit more information of what could possibly be happening or to help make you aware of things that are an issue or have become an issue without actually diagnosing you. Yeah,
1: and like it'll make it a little easier to see if your loved ones are suffering.
0: Or be under, more understanding if they are or even if yourself is because a lot of times we're incredibly hard on ourselves when it could be something else going on that is not in our control at all. Right So some of the things uh, with high functioning depression, um, you mu- it is also labeled as persistent depressive disorder. And with um, persistent depressive disorder, this is actually more of a long-term depression. Uh, Symptoms for this uh, are usually two years or more when you're experiencing these same types of symptoms, and they do have some of the same symptoms as depression, but it's less severe, which means that the person can function mostly normally, and that's why a lot of times it goes unnoticed, because they can function almost as if they're normal or have a normal state of mind, but it actually is something deeper than that. But most people don't acknowledge it because they're still doing all the things that they're supposed to be doing, like going to work or school or keeping up with responsibilities.
1: Right. A lot of people have this idea in their mind of like depression only being having to stand better all day or can't get tasks done around the house or just sadness in general, but that's
0: not always the case. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it the person can still be keeping up with their everyday responsibilities. They can perform well, they can engage in most social activities, but it is um, difficult for them. It's more challenging than what it would be for someone who is not experiencing something like this. And it can be exhausting and draining.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, but I can still function my everyday life. I just feel symptoms just present different than majority of other people um and it is because i'm high functioning and i my brain wiring to take care of my responsibilities has always um i guess overcome the depression side
0: yeah a lot of times it has to do with like your dopamine system and your serotonin uptake system and there's a lot of different things that go into it but sometimes just as conditioning on the subconscious mind works conditioning on how you go through about your normal life can also kind of offset different symptoms that may be stronger if you didn't have that type of conditioning
1: right and I've been on medication so that also makes things it makes it a little easier to do the things that you need to do Right. Even though you might feel dead inside without a lack like, of a better word. I don't, yeah.
0: So a lot of times with high functioning depression, um, it, it it's not seen as serious as depression because often they're not going to have like the su- 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 <laughs> suicidal ideations and different things like that. It just is almost like their state of being is at a lower state of being than what, someone else would have and when they feel happiness it's not for very long it's a very short period of time and uh it is really difficult to detect in yourself but it's even more so to to detect in others because to the outside world everyone seems fine but inside they're actually struggling a lot with this and it does lower the quality of life because even when you should be experiencing enjoyment and you should be experiencing happiness you may be able to, but it's only going to be for a limited period of time. And then it can lead into, like, major depressive um, episodes. So even if you don't have major depressive disorder, you could have a major depressive episode. Right.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's not always cut and dry.
0: Right. So um, some of the and a lot of this also means, like, you have to feel this way most days for most of the day for over two years, like those are the requirements before someone would diagnose somebody with persistent depressive disorder. So sometimes you could be diagnosed with a unknown depressive disorder or something like that until your symptoms either go on for two years, or you start to have like the major depressive episodes or something, then they could give you a different diagnosis. So sometimes like the counselors and stuff don't even know that it is high functioning depression.
1: Right. And it's really important to be honest. Like if you are seeing a doctor, I used to downplay my symptoms because, you know, maybe in that moment, I wasn't feeling the way I was feeling two days ago. And it's really important to be honest about your everyday life, not just what you're feeling in that specific moment. Right. When you are talking to a, a professional about it.
0: And, like, high-functioning is still, like, you're still considered high-functioning, but it's not fully functioning. There is a difference. Um, major depressive disorder is, like, a significant impairment in your day-to-day life. Then with this persistent depressive disorder or high-functioning depression, you would have maybe a slight impairment, but not to the extreme that a major depressive episode would have. And a lot of the impairment can be noticed in, like, decreased appetite or overeating, uh, insomnia or oversleeping, uh, lack of energy and fatigue, lowered self-esteem, difficulty concentrating and making decisions, and feeling sad and hopeless. And it could be out of nowhere. Um, Sometimes those symptoms are going to... Include just crying out of nowhere with no significant reason. You just start crying and you don't really know what the reason is, or feeling sad, or fatigued, or not being able to complete your tasks the way you need to. And there are so many symptoms that this overlaps with other mental illnesses, which is why we are not here to diagnose you. Yeah, it's just very
1: important to see a professional about all this because, I mean, I would assume that I was high functioning for a very long time, but I did end up getting into a major depression disorder. But I also think that like my medications had a lot to do with that as well. So it's very important to just um, talk to a professional about what you're experiencing. And um, because... Well, in my opinion, I'd rather get diagnosed sooner so you can get the right treatment.
0: And so that the symptoms don't continue to get worse. Because this is like any other illness, like mental mental illness and mental conditions and like brain diseases. They're like any other illness. The symptoms will get worse and worse and worse if they continue to go untreated. Because all of these things are debilitating diseases eventually. Same with like eye problems. My eyesight is terrible, and it will continue to get worse throughout the rest of my life, even though I wear glasses. Yeah, just the way is... that
1: my doctor explained it to me, because I used to feel a lot of guilt and shame about my depression, and I felt like I was ruining the people in my life's life lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would, I would just feel so guilty about it, and I would in some way, keep a distance from people because I didn't want to affect them with my illness. And the way that my doctor explained it to me was, um, like your family wouldn't stop loving you anymore if you had diabetes, because diabetes is also a disease just like this is. And while that is, uh, like educationally true, and that is... That is a fact that depression is a disease. Um, Not all people look at it the same way, though. Right. And and that's where the stigma needs to be broken. Because a lot of people don't understand depression and they think it's something you can just pull yourself out of. But it's not as simple as, um, as like, oh, you're sad. Like, it'll be okay. Get over it.
0: Right. It's the same thing as like addiction. I just took an addiction class and a psychopathology class for my degree. And a lot of times people think that addiction is a choice, but it's not because the substances that you take when you get an addiction actually alter the way that your brain works. Yeah. So even if it, even it, though it might have been a choice to take the first drink or to get high for the first time or whatever it may be. It's not a choice to get addicted to that substance. That substance actually alters your brain. And it is like genetic and neurological. There is no... It's not like, oh, I choose to be addicted to this. uh, Or, oh, I choose to go through depression. It's not a choice that anybody can make. And it's not a choice that you can just come out of. Right. It's something that actually affects almost every aspect of your life. So some of the things... When you are living with high-functioning depression that you might notice, I'm just going to go through the list right here uh, because I wrote it down, but there's a lot. So um, it might sound a little robotic, but I'm going to read this list in case it helps you guys to know if you have this or if you notice this in someone that you love or care about. Um, For living with high-functioning depression, you may feel a little down most of the time. Um, Your low mood is almost always present and it feels like you will never get relief. Feeling happy doesn't last long. Uh, You feel tired all the time, even if you get enough or too much sleep. To the outside world, you might seem lazy, but it really is just that you can't summon the energy to do anything more than what is necessary for survival. Uh, You could feel bad about yourself, unworthy, or like you don't deserve to be happy or to be loved. So low self-esteem is also a very strong indicator If this has been something that has been consistent for more than two years, and you can't seem to bring yourself out of it, even if you are working on yourself, then it might be something that could indicate a more serious issue. Um, You do everything you're supposed to, but it seems like monumental effort, which then drains you even more and takes away your energy even more. And you may gain or lose weight without meaning to because you either go into overeating or not eating enough. And you're not really paying attention to your appetite because you're too busy worrying about everything else. Um, you could feel hopeless often or cry a lot without any reason. Uh, you do well enough at work or school, but it's a challenge and focusing on tasks is difficult. You force yourself to engage when you would rather withdraw. So like Kelsey was saying, she would withdraw often um, when she was going through it because she didn't want to be a burden, but that's also a sign that you're dealing with high functioning depression Mm -hmm. is that you force yourself to engage, even though you feel like you would rather just be withdrawn from the world around you. Uh, And it may cause other complications such as substance abuse, chronic pain, relationship difficulties, or problems at work or school. So it could be performance issues. It could be, you know, not being able to give time and energy to your partner because you're spending time and energy just trying to do your daily tasks. It could be chronic pain, which is a really strong indicator of depression, believe it or not, (laughs) but that's most mental illness. If you you feel chronic pain, a lot of times it has to do with inflammation, and that inflammation a lot of times has to do with what's going on inside your body that you may not be aware of. So those are just some things that you might experience if you do have high-functioning depression. And those are some things that might just be a part of your daily life, but that, you know, is not normal or how you want to live, but you can't really do anything to change it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I pretty much align with majority of those. Um, In my experience, I think. And that's another thing, like trauma can also present in a lot of those same ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why it's it's it is. I didn't get a diagnosis for years because there's so many symptoms that were just listed that can coincide with multiple different, um, like mental conditions, conditions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so what I experienced mostly, it started out more with anxiety, um, And I think my anxiety was trauma related, but I never really realized it. And then it turned into depression because I had so much social anxiety that uh, I just I couldn't function around other people. And it got to the point where, like, I I would have to force smiles and force... I would watch for people's cues cause I can, I can read body language. And like, if I know that I'm supposed to be laughing, I would start laughing. But, or if I knew that I was supposed to smile, I would start smiling. But like in my everyday life, I could sit and watch a comedy and like, yeah, in my brain, I knew it was supposed to be funny, but I just, there was no physical reactment. Like I just, I sat there stone, stone face And like some of my friends used to call me stick in the mud because like I literally I didn't have the capacity to feel what other people felt. And it used to kind of just be a running joke like I didn't have a sense of humor. But in reality, it was it was the depression. It wasn't that I didn't have a sense of humor. It's my depression completely took over. But I was still going to work and I was still going to social activities and I was still, you know, pretending like everything was fine when in all reality, like I felt horrible inside. And I just, it wasn't, and like, like Amber said, like this stuff doesn't always give you suicidal tendencies, but like, for me, it was one of those, like, I don't care if I die, but like, I don't want to die, but I don't care if I die. It was, it was kind of just like a, I was very apathetic and apathetic speaking from a personal experience, it may not be on the list. But I think apathy is a huge symptom of depression. Yeah. Uh, at, at least in my, in my case, I just, I literally did not care about anything. I didn't care what I was going to do. I didn't care who I was going to be with. If people would ask me what I wanted to do, and I, I literally just did not care. Like, right. I didn't want to make decisions because, in all actuality, I didn't even really want to be awake. I just wanted to, to sleep and I just wanted to be left alone. But I held a full time job. I paid my bills on time. I kept up with housework. I, you know, I I made face with people and my depression was not noticeable at all. And well, to certain people, Um, obviously, it was noticeable to those closest around me. But if I didn't tell you, hey, I suffer from depression, most people would have never known.
0: And most people would have probably laughed in your face if you told them that. Yeah. Because of how high functioning you were.
1: And a lot of people, they think that depression just comes with like, oh, someone in your life died. I understand if you go into depression. But that's not, that is not the case. Yes, there is incidental depression. That is true.
0: And that is, is it's a way for grief to manifest when it is situational. Like, you would not go to a psychologist and get a diagnosis for depression if it is a reaction to losing someone you love.
1: Right. That's grief. Yes. And, like, some people do go into such a state of depression after losing someone or losing something that it does manifest into an actual depression disorder.
0: And it also – there's, like, another um, mental – in the DSM-5, there's another mental thing. It's uh, called, like, extended grief or, like – I can't remember what it's called, but there is an actual disorder where grief has not been processed and continues to manifest as depression and different things like that, even if you've never suffered
1: <clears throat> And I've heard depression. people say, well, so-and-so says they're depressed, but I don't know what they have to be depressed about. They have everything they need. They have a job. They have a car. They have a house. They have a family. And when I hear that, it just, it makes me so angry inside because people Genuinely, there are people out there that genuinely don't believe that depression exists. They do not, just like people believe that ADHD doesn't exist Mm -hmm. or anxiety. They think it's just this made up thing and it's because you're so-called lazy or you have no drive or it's just, but it's, it is a genuine chemical imbalance. There are certain people that don't get enough of the chemicals they need in their brain to be able to function happily
0: or conditioning and stuff that has fried the wiring. Right. Like I know I know that sounds weird, but it's like a computer. If you fry your hard drive in your computer, it's not going to work the way that it's supposed to. And our brain is like the hard drive for our life, and parts of that can get fried.
1: Yeah. And, when
0: you're experiencing things like that. And people
1: that have experienced trauma have a higher likelihood of developing depression. Mhm. Because Some people experience things that should never happen to someone. Right. And your brain, as we've talked about in the past, has the fight or fight, fight or flight, or freeze or whatever.
0: Fight, flight, freeze, or fun. Yes. (laughs) And And a lot of times freeze can be a depression, a state of depression. Right.
1: right. But just, just because people around you are functioning the way that... A quote unquote normal person would function. That doesn't mean that they're not struggling
0: inside, and it also doesn't mean that there is a reason for it. Like some, there sometimes there is literally no reason for depression that is tangible. And same with anxiety. Currently,
1: I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, go ahead. Currently, currently, um, I've
1: actually been starting to exhibit more prominent depression symptoms, but. I think it's personal it's kind of situational cuz I just switched to a new job and I'm really stressed out and um it's been super rainy the past couple days and when the weather starts changing I usually I have I struggle harder with keeping my depression under control and when there's a lot of stress there's a lot of anxiety in your life that isn't normally there it can definitely trigger like a depression episode um but I'm still doing my daily tasks. I'm still going to work and working all day. I'm still having conversations with people. I'm still laughing. And it's not to say that none of that is real. I, it just means that there's a different feeling in your body when you feel that depression starting to come on.
0: It's almost like, if I could explain it the best way that I understand It's almost like a heaviness just settles inside of you. And even if you're happy for a moment, it's literally just a moment. And then the heaviness settles. Like when you eat too many carbs and it settles in your stomach and you feel like there's a rock in your stomach. Yeah. Except your whole body feels that way.
1: And right now, like I do feel depression in a way, but I am finally on the right meds. So I am definitely able to react differently than I used to. And I am able to keep, keep myself out of it better than I used to. And I've also done done a lot of inner work and coping work that I was just telling my wife earlier, like I like, there's a lot going on and I do feel this, but I'm reacting better than I would have a couple years ago, you know, and it's, it does sometimes come down to that. And I know a lot of people don't like medication, but it, it sometimes comes down to your quality of life. And do you want to go on medication so that the depression episodes don't take over and you can fight them? Or do you want to say, oh, yeah, I'm med free, but not truly ever be able to handle your depression?
0: Great. Right. Which is a struggle for any type of medication. Right. I hate
1: being on medication.
0: I'm the same way with my ADHD medicine. If I have heavy, intense projects, it's like I really could use my medication for this. Or even like if I'm short-tempered, it's like I know that this is part of not being medicated.
1: And that's a huge, now that you bring that up, that's a huge indication for me when I am starting to struggle with depression is I get... And a lot of people don't realize this, but irritability is like a, like one of the um, main, can be one of the main symptoms of depression. Irritability. And anxiety. And anxiety. And ADHD. Yeah. Well, yeah. But
0: I'm just saying (laughs) Almost any, almost any mental condition, one of the main symptoms is going to be irritability.
1: Yeah, because you're not, your brain isn't firing on all cylinders. Yeah. It's not working the way it's supposed to. And when you're also someone like me that has like, you can get over simulated very easily um, because that's another thing that comes with a lot of mental yeah. illnesses. Um, I've been super over simulated the past couple of days because we also got a new dog. So, and my other dog isn't cooperating with her and my daughter is very excited that the dog's here. So she's extra energetic mm-hmm. and we're having to go back and forth to try and get these dogs to, get along. And my wife's car blew up. So well, her <laughs> engine blew up, not actually blew up. But so we're having to get her a new car. And I just started a new job two weeks ago that is extremely stressful. So all of these things makes me overstimulated. Mm-hmm. And I then get anxious and I get irritable and I get to the point where I'm like,
0: I literally I, can't take it.
1: Anymore. I, yeah, I can't. But a couple of years ago I would have already snapped multiple times mm-hmm. but right now I'm trying to just breathe through things and I'm trying to think before I speak which hasn't happened completely the past few days. <laughs> I have gotten upset at my daughter more than I should have because she's four years old but there are ways to cope with these things just so that there's light at the end of the tunnel for those of you that are struggling. Like, it is hard. It's a lot of work. And you may snap and I may snap. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm. you just have to do your best. Right. That's all you can
0: do. And a really good point to add to that, too, is if you are even 1% better than you were the day before, like, you're already succeeding. There is nobody saying that you have... An end result that you have to match. And if you don't match this end result in this amount of time, you're a failure. Like mental mental health, mental illness, inner healing, whatever you want to call it, there is no time frame for that. It is a lifelong thing. And you can't be hard on yourself or judge yourself because you are going to have moments that you snap. I have moments that I snap all the time. My sister has to remind me. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah. You're, I you're, just did the other day. Yeah, you're getting a little overreactive here, like, and that's why you need like support and you need people in your life that are okay with telling you when you cross the line because sometimes you don't realize you have.
1: Yeah,
0: and because
1: when you're in that state of mind, you aren't seeing yourself from a true reality. No. You are reacting because you are overstimulated. You're irritable. You're you're in a depression. You are exhausted. You cannot handle everything that's going on in your brain. It's, it's, you can't, it's like a weight, like you said, like you can't set a goal. Like weight loss, you set a goal and Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm going to get to this in two months. With depression, it is an everyday battle. Yep. Constantly. There have been days that I've woken up and felt that depression hanging over me. And it was a battle the entire day to push it off and to get rid of it and to make myself stronger than the depression. Right. So it's an everyday battle. You can't just say, Oh, I'm not fixed. It's been a year and I've been working on this and I'm not fixed. There's no such thing as fixed. Mm -mm. There is coping, there is management and there is acceptance. Yeah. And you can't, if you have a bad day, you can't be like, well, I suck and I'm just never going to be better because that's what I did for years, years and years and years and years and years. I was like, yeah, this is just me. I'm it's, this is my life. This is my reality. And that's a, and Along with that, depression will make you feel like that. So mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult because your depression will make you feel like you're not worthy. It will make you feel like you cannot exceed at anything. It will make you feel like you're disturbing everyone around you. And you won't want to talk about it. And you won't want to get help with it because in some weird way you think that you can manage it or you feel like you deserve it.
0: Right. And it feels like something that – it also goes back to attachment and stuff. Like, if I let somebody know that I have this issue, then they might not love me. They might not accept me. Right. They might judge me. They might abandon me. They might decide to just leave me to my own devices, and then what? I trusted someone, and now they're gone.
1: Yeah, and I – like. I still struggle with that. I mean, like today when I told my wife that I was struggling, like I was nervous, like I was scared because I don't want people to see that vulnerability and not think that I have my shit together because I've had my shit together more days than not for the past year, but I still have that thing in the background of my mind. You know, I still, I still have to
0: choose to be better every day. And it goes back to the strength. Like when you have to be vulnerable, a lot of people see vulnerability as weakness, but it's not. Vulnerability is one of the strongest things you can do, because it means that no matter what, you are accepting yourself as you are. You are showing compassion to yourself. You are informing the people in your life that love you that something is going on. And that was the dog. That's the new dog I was talking about. <laughs> So vulnerability is one of the strongest things you can do because it, it is realizing that you do not have to do things alone, that it does not have to be you against the world because you have people that love you that are willing to stand against the world with you, but they can't do that if you're not vulnerable. They can't do that if they don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah. People can't help you unless you ask for help.
0: And especially with high-functioning depression or high-functioning anxiety or high-functioning anything, there's always a high-functioning level to any mental condition. Yeah. I saw that when I was doing my research today. Mm -hmm. Like, any mental condition, you can have high-functioning schizophrenia. Like
1: This is true. Because... I actually worked with a guy that
0: had it. Yeah. Yeah. High-functioning just means that you have the symptoms, but the symptoms aren't as severe. And they don't impact your life the same way that non-high-functioning would but when you are in a high-functioning state of being most people are not going to know unless you share with them so Kelsey's self-awareness just shows how much growth that she has done because two years ago she wouldn't have told anybody Two years ago, she wouldn't have told anyone what was going on. She wouldn't have communicated with I would have just started
1: lashing out, and I would have just been angry, and I would have just pushed
0: people you away. You know, looked
1: like that bitch that everyone thinks I am.
0: No. My
1: wife is uh,
0: <laughs>
1: no shaking her head right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, for a long time, I just, you know, I was just a bitch, basically. And, but I never really said anything about what was actually going on, and that I felt completely hopeless and useless. And I didn't care if I lived or died. Like I just went with what I was feeling in those moments and I reacted on every emotion that I had. And I didn't stop to think like, is this my depression? Right. Is this, is that why I feel this way? Or am I just, and I must say a lot of it had to do with my medication. I have to say that because if you are on the wrong medication, these things can be worse. And I, significantly urge you if you have not already to take the gene site test yeah to see if you're on the right medication because if you are not it will exacerbate your symptoms i became bipolar on mine
0: because that was the side effect not, of the medication i am not
1: bipolar but my medication made me bipolar yeah not in like obviously not in the clinical terms but my doctor thought that i had a bipolar tendencies bipolar or a mood disorder and I was starting to get treated for that and that's when everything blew up because I'm not and I was being treated with something that I didn't need to be right (laughs) get out of here you're not allowed to be in here (laughs) that's my wife making
0: smart ass comments but that's just the vulnerability is not weakness Just because you are high-functioning something does not mean that you don't deserve to get help or seek help. There is treatment for whatever it is that you are struggling with, either professional treatment from a doctor, medical treatment, or coaching, you know, but you have to be willing to do the work and seek the resources and be self-aware and communicative to those who care about you and can get you to the resources. And let me say this. Because
1: I know how depression can be. And if you cannot bring yourself to go and search for the help or search for a doctor or search for the therapy, find someone close to you and have them set it up for you. Because I know that depression will stop you from doing those things. Yep. And the most important thing is... To make someone aware that you need help and if you don't like making phone calls like my wife and my sister (laughs) and you can't schedule it online or you don't know where to look or where to go, ask someone close to you to do it. And if you don't have someone close to you, ask me. I will do it for you. Yeah. Because the key thing here is to get treatment before it gets too bad.
0: Right. And to be willing to open yourself up and be vulnerable yeah. because if you're not vulnerable about it, you're not going to seek treatment. Right. And that is the, one of the biggest things. And a lot of times the treatment is going to be cognitive behavioral therapy and medication. If you're severe enough or you need medication and cognitive behavioral therapy just kind of teaches you how to notice the negative things before mm-hmm. they affect your daily life. And be able to change those thoughts into positive thoughts. Yeah. Because our automatic reaction to almost anything is negativity. That just is how our brain works. Yeah. But if you can recognize those thoughts when they're coming up, then you can choose if you want to believe them or not. And that's going to be a lot of the therapy that you would receive or talk therapy. It's not. And the thing with a therapist that I love the most about therapy is that it is somebody that you don't know. It's someone you don't know you don't have to entrust it to someone that you have to be worried about leaving you because the therapist is not going to leave you. No. A therapist is there to It's literally to serve. their job to be there. Yes. <laughs> and it is literally their job to be there anytime you schedule that appointment. And, and if, if they're the not there. The first one doesn't
1: work out, look for another one. It took me four, I think, four or five therapists to finally find someone that I like Yeah, and that works with me on the level that I need to be worked on. Yep. So I know it's easy to say, well, therapy doesn't work because you went to one therapist.
0: Which is my, my, which is Brooke
1: and Amber both did this, (laughs) but Brooke has finally found one that she absolutely loves and talks to on a regular basis, um, even outside of work. And that (laughs) is something that some therapists are comfortable with doing. Some are not, but it is you if you find that person, it will and it will help you. And the CBT or yeah, CBT. CBT, we did a lot of that when I was locked up in the ward. So yeah. And it is helpful. And a lot of it just had to do with like situational things. How should I react? How do I react? Right. What is the best way to react to something when you have no control over it? Right. And art therapy was a thing that we did too. Art therapy can be very therapeutic. I color with my daughter when I'm feeling, I mean, she basically makes me do it. I don't really have a choice, (laughs) but when I do start coloring, it gives you a relaxation. It gives you something to focus on other than yourself. It gives you the possibility to make something beautiful. Right. And it, You just have to find out what works for you. Some people use meditation. Some people use yoga. Some people go on nature walks. Anything that can help you find peace. And even if if it's just for one minute.
0: And peace is an internal state too. Like you can create peace. That's also what CBT teaches you. Because when you learn to make better choices that serve you, then that also creates a sense of peace and safety. The biggest thing when you're struggling with anything is you don't always feel safe you don't feel safe to be yourself, you don't feel safe to be vulnerable, you don't feel safe to think about the future, you don't feel safe in the moment. So, developing a sense of safety is very important too. And that is also what therapy can help with in any form. Therapy with a therapist, art therapy, whatever it is. It's a, that sense of safety. This yeah. Yeah.
1: I've said a lot, so I'm kind I don't know if you're through your notes and I keep taking over cuz I actually Align with a lot of this stuff. No, go ahead.
0: All of my notes. I pretty much went through all of my notes right at the beginning because I knew that you would have more life experience to (laughs) know. I would talk. Yeah,
1: and it's not. I don't want it to come off as if you don't ask for help, you're not strong. No, because that's not what we're saying. Any day you
0: wake up and fight a mental illness or a mental condition, you are strong. It does not matter if you ask for help or not. Right. But
1: you have to make the choice of your, I was forced to make the choice. Yeah. And I don't think that I, I don't know if I ever would have made the choice had what happened not happened. I was forced to look at my life and be like, is this really how I'm going to live? Is this really how my daughter is going to see me for the rest of her life? Is this really what my marriage is going to look like? Because at the time, There was, there was nothing was working and I really had to step back and be like, I had to decide, do I want my quality of life to be better or do I just want to be managing what I have? Right. And once I got to that point, it was very clear. I needed to do a lot of work and I still have to do a lot of work and it's still a daily thing that I go through and I still have my daily breathing exercises that I have to do. And sometimes I just do feel like giving up because some days are hard. But then I think about my quality of life now is so much better that I've finally looked this demon in the eye and started to fight it because I wasn't, you're not living when
0: you're just apathetic to your depression or just allowing it to exist as it is like there I mean there is a level of acceptance that has to be there but you don't have to accept living like that always right there are choices you can make there's help you can seek there are resources available Mm -hmm. if you choose not to continue living that way
1: and just because you're high functioning you may think like It's fine. People have it worse. I can do this. I'm doing what I need to do because that was my state of mind for a long time. Like, as long as I'm getting all my stuff done, as long as my bills are paid, as long as I have a job, and as long as I have a roof over my head, I'm fine. But I wasn't. I wasn't. And it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. You weren't really enjoying any of that. No. And I didn't. I could never feel enjoyment. When I was, I knew I was supposed to be excited about doing things things that would have at one point made me very happy, but I felt no joy. I felt no excitement. I didn't care. I just wanted to go home and watch TV. Yep. So I should probably just stop because (laughs) I'll I'll probably just keep talking and talking and talking. But I really hope that if anyone needs this, that this has been any help. I know sometimes we ramble on and we kind of jump all over the place and I know it can be confusing, but if you do have other questions, you can always email or direct message us on Facebook. And if you want to have a personal talk or anything to help, I like we are here.
0: Yep. This is all a, it is all to give people resources that maybe aren't aware of resources that are out there. It's to give information for free for people who are not currently in counseling. It's because we have both experienced so many things throughout our life and we have done it alone and we don't want anybody else to have to do it alone. This podcast makes no money,
1: guys. (laughs) There's probably only three of you out there still listening to this. But if you three are getting any of the help you need, that's what we're here for. We don't care about the money. We don't care. We just care about awareness we care about making someone else's life a little bit better. That right. or a lot better. That would be great. But we're here
0: to help. And we're not here to profit. Right. And that's why like we're both available. I mean, if you send us a message and you're like, Hey, can we get on a call? One or one of us or both of us will make that happen. Yeah. It just I mean, work schedules and stuff. But
1: Yeah, I mean it might not be right that second. But or we will make it, it happen. If it is an emergency, then yes. We would make it happen. Yes. But I don't want anyone to feel like no one understands them in their life, so they won't do what they need to do to get help. I understand. Or to feel. completely understand anything that you
0: think someone else might not understand. Or to feel like there's something inherently wrong with you. Right. Because there is nothing wrong with you. No. There are things in life that are not fair. There are things in life that shouldn't happen. There are things in life that people have to face. And it does not mean that it is anything to do with them or that it's their fault or that it's anything wrong with them or that they have to do it alone. Um, And then like on a closing note, because we are getting at 45, about 45 minutes here. (laughs) I like it though. I like sharing that information. On a closing note though, is the only thing that is guaranteed in life besides death is change. You will always experience change. There is nothing that you can do to stop change. The question that I often have to ask myself is that do I want to decide my change or do I want to just let the change happen however it's going to happen, which is kind of what Kelsey was saying with she had to be forced to seek help. Mm -hmm. And if we can keep somebody from having to be forced into it by experiencing something similar to what she experienced, then we would love to be able to do that. And I would love for all of you to choose your change versus it just smacking you across the face.
1: Yeah, no So one, no one likes
0: that. No, that's also part of what we're here to is so that hopefully we can help guide you into choosing something that's going to be better for you than getting slapped across the face and knocked on or your ass. Or just
1: even give you the courage to finally do something that you've been wanting to do.
0: Right. Because it took years for It's me. not
1: easy. <laughs> it's, it's not. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy, but... It is for the better, I promise.
0: Yep. If there's something that's urging you to do something, then it's, it's there for a reason. So anyways, I think next week we're going to talk about high-functioning anxiety. Oh, and God. then that one's going to be a long one probably too because both of us have that. <laughs> so that's going to be a good one. Uh, if you think that this episode would help anybody else or you just love this episode, please share it, rate it. Send us some feedback on what you think, because we always do enjoy seeing that. If there's any requests you guys would like us to talk about, message us, email us. We're here for you guys. Just let us know. Yeah. All right. Until next time, have a great week.